welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 17th of June 2012, entitled, Where are the Missing Children? And the Bible reading is taken from Genesis chapter 3. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Let me say once again, I do hope that it's a very special day, honor of all of you fathers that are with us this morning. May God bless you greatly on this, this Father's Day. And I'll say before reading this passage that, of course, first of all, I guess I'd been thinking because I knew I was going to have very little time. I think when we got back to the house yesterday afternoon, that from the time that we had left Nairobi, Kenya, it was about uh, 20 hours that we were traveling. And uh, I know it's hard to tell by looking at me, but I'm not as young as I used to be. And uh, I was feeling it. And uh, But uh, it was really back earlier in the week, and as I said, again, uh, uh, God willing, uh, we want to try to give you some of those highlights this evening in the service as we tell you all about the last uh, two weeks in Kenya and what the Lord did there during that uh, mission trip. But uh, uh, one of the days, one of the afternoons that we spent there was within the, uh, uh, the Happy Life Orphanage, which is, of course, the orphanage where that, what, two years ago now, I guess, since we were able to gather up all of the things to send to the orphanage there and to those babies, and we spent an afternoon there. Uh, and again, you know, I guess it's one of those things that uh, wherever you are in the world, uh, when you see all of these little ones uh, that have been abandoned, uh, that are without homes, without families, uh, if that doesn't do something to your heart, uh, they start squeezing and, and making those wet things roll down your cheeks. And, and if you don't feel those things in your heart, then I think something's wrong somewhere. Um, and, of course, in, in, in seeing those children and, and the thought of knowing that uh, in, in getting back yesterday and, and, and this morning that we would be celebrating what we set aside as, as Father's Day, uh, my mind went back to, uh, to a message that I preached quite a few years ago um, and, and really some of those thoughts began to bring themselves to, uh, to the forefront again, and I began to ponder over them and, and, and to, uh, to look at them in a slightly different light. Uh, but if you would this morning, I know it is Father's Day, and yes, we're honoring fathers today, but our thought this morning is simply, where are the missing children? Where are the missing children? Now, I guess that uh, we could think of many things when we think of missing children. I know that uh, uh, back in, in, in North America, in the USA, that uh, I'm not sure if they still do it because I don't uh, get to see a lot of that part of the world myself, but I assume they probably still do. It used to be on the side of the milk cartons and milk jugs and things that, uh, that people were buying on an everyday basis in the, in the supermarkets, and, and there would be pictures on the side, and, and, and it would really be the picture of a child and it would have that big word, missing, uh, across there. And it would give some of the details and the description. Uh, the idea being that, of course, so many children that, uh, that go missing. Uh, maybe they are abducted by someone that has uh, less than honorable intentions. And they uh, maybe were just uh, uh, beginning another normal day on their way to school or, or coming home from school or something like that. And someone has uh, uh, abducted them many times uh, we know that from those abductions that uh, horrendous abuse uh, is dished out upon these, uh, uh, these children, that uh, it's a very dangerous thing. And I guess, well, we look at that and we say, well, you know, what would we do? 
Uh, number one, if it was a child that was your own child, or maybe a child of even someone that you knew, if it was one of the children uh, uh, within our church family, and they suddenly went missing, what would you do? I believe that probably you would be doing everything possible within your power to find that child, to do what you could. I, I remember recently, and I guess that uh, it was trying to be, be used for, a, for political reasons, but of course one of the uh, nominees that is running for president of the United States in this next election uh, the story was told of one of his employees whose teenager went missing. Uh, they weren't young anymore, but they just literally vanished off the face of the earth. And it told how that uh, literally all of the employees, the business up in Boston was shut down and they all went down and they, they opened up a, a uh, control center there in New York City, which was the last place that this child had been seen. And all the efforts went into finding that child. All of these employees, the company, as well as, of course, the police and others that would have been involved until they found that child, that became the priority of everything. And, you know, I think that for most of us, that's exactly what would be. But I want to direct your attention today because, you know, as, as, as I was holding some of those babies in that orphanage there in, in, in Kenya, in Nairobi, you know, your heart breaks for them because physically, you know, the thing is, is you would, you would take that child and just to, just to see the big smiles that would come across their face just because that, that somebody was holding them, somebody was loving them. And of course, as soon as you went to lay it down, guess what came next? <laughs> all the crying and the crying because they just wanted to be held. They just wanted somebody to love. And many times in an orphanage like that with so many of them to care for and, and all these volunteers and they're doing their best, but you know, sometimes they're lucky just to get touched, just to be fed and to have their nappies changed and then to be fed again and their, and their nappies changed. They don't have that father and that mother, that home around them just to take and hold them because you love them, to know that they are cared for. But you know, so many times we forget that in the spiritual realm, there are children that are missing from the family just as surely as those children were there missing from a natural family, a physical family upon this earth. We find that spiritually, many times the children go missing. And the truth is, is that in God's family, we're all children. It's not just those little ones in the cribs, but we're all God's children. If we've put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is our heavenly father that we have been singing about in our songs this morning. I want to go back and read an account to you this morning, which is an account that we find in the word of God, which speaks to us of that heavenly father, but it speaks to us in the natural realm as well. And the truths that apply here apply both because it was God the Father that created that first man and that first woman in the Garden of Eden. Of course, we find today that sometimes in this life we can look back and some people have a, an extremely close relationship with their earthly father. They love that father and they can honor that father easily because of the relationship that has been built over many years. Others, that relationship isn't as close. Maybe it's been a strained relationship. Maybe there have been many challenges, many things that have come into it that have made it not quite as easy as some others have had it. And of course, there are some, even in our church family here at Bethel, 
They don't even know their natural father. They themselves were abandoned for reasons when they were just small babies. But since someone else, as we also sing about earlier, someone else chose them and adopted them into their family and their earthly father was one that had chosen them because they were fatherless. Of course, the Word of God tells us that God wants to be a father to the fatherless. And without Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we may have a physical father, but we are fatherless in the spiritual realm. May I say to you today that hard or easy, fathers deserve honor for some reasons, regardless of how close or distant that relationship might have been. Number one, and above all, you know, God the Father deserves our honor because without him, none of us would be here. He is the creator. He created every human being that is alive. Matter of fact, he created everything that lives. And so we owe our existence to him. But in a smaller way and in his manifold wisdom, in the way that he designed this world, he not only created us from nothing, but he allowed us to be created somewhere physically along the line by a father and a mother in this physical realm. And each and every one of us, we are here, and we are who we are, and we are alive because we have a father and a mother that a part of each of them was used to create us as an individual. You would not be who you are. Matter of fact, you wouldn't be here at all except for your father and your mother. So they, are, they deserve that honor. Maybe they've been good and bad in, in a lot of other ways, but they are due that respect and that honor. The thing is, as we look into this passage, I want to point you to one today that not only now, he is, believe me, the only perfect father that ever existed. He's the only father that never made a mistake. You see, I, I thank God this morning. I am a very, very blessed man that the Lord has blessed us with six wonderful children. And I could never express to you what that means to me as a father. I could never express to you mine nor my wife's love for those children that when they're there, good or bad, <laughs> the easy days and the hard days, you know, God saw fit to put them there as a part of both of us. And there's something about that that is beyond explanation that place that they are, that they take in your life. You see, if I could go back, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't uh, write one of them off and say, well, no, we'll not have that one this time round. I wouldn't change anything about the precious gifts that God has given us there. Are there things I would do differently as a father? You better believe it. <laughs> you know, the old saying is that... Uh, you know, just about the time you figure out how to be a father, the duty's over with. We learn as long as we live, as long as we're a father. We learn, and that experience comes, and we fail, and we get it wrong. And no matter, even though that we love those children beyond anything that words could express, we mess up sometimes, we make mistakes, and we would do some of those things possibly different. And I want to remind you of a father this morning that never made a mistake, that never got it wrong, that couldn't change anything if it were a possibility because God the Father, it's impossible for him to get it wrong. I also want to tell you about two children that he placed in a 
perfect home. We hear much today about how the child ends up and the way that they grow up has so much to do on the environment, and that is true. It is vital that we create the right environment for our children to be raised in. It is vital that the central focus of that is God himself, that he's not just something that's tacked onto the outside. When our children look at our lives, do they see God? Do they see our spiritual lives? Do they see our relationship with our Heavenly Father? Just something that's tacked on when we've got time and when we can bother? Or do they see it as something that is vital, that is there at the forefront in everything that we do? You see, as we look back, there's only been one set of children that were in a perfect environment. I mean a sinless environment. I mean there were nothing, nothing whatsoever was wrong. And we find here in Genesis chapter 3, we found something that took place. If you would, those children were abducted. <laughs> they were taken hostage. Deception was used. And you know, so many times I can still remember as a child being told, not to take candy from a stranger, not to stop and take anything from a stranger along the road that I didn't know, to be very careful until I knew who it was that I was dealing with because people can be very deceptive. You know, most of these children that are abducted, it's not, it doesn't take place because that somebody looks so mean and vicious, they may have nothing but evil in their hearts. Well, but they can come across so deceptive to try to win that child's confidence to get them to go with them. May I say to you, the greatest deceiver of all was the one that came along to abduct these children, to take them hostage, to destroy that relationship with them and their father I'm not going to ask you to stand because I'm going to read the whole story, and I want you just to be reminded as you listen this morning, as you read along in your own text there. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 begins, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. The eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. 
The Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. The Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. The Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. The sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Father, we thank you this morning for this wonderful privilege Lord, of being in your house, of having your word before us, of having your spirit within us, upon whom we totally and utterly depend at this time. Father, thank you that as we gather here, we have the health and the strength and the opportunity to be here. We know that many of this congregation are missing today. Lord, many of our folks are sick today and others are away, but Lord, for those of us that are here, what a glorious privilege. Help us not to take lightly. Now in these next moments as we look into your word, may we plead with you, Lord, not because of anything that we deserve or can demand of our own accord, but Lord, because of Jesus Christ and who he is, because of the great need wherewith we stand here today, would you see fit to speak to our hearts, to give us that which we need this day, that in some way, each and every one of us, in whatever capacity that is necessary or needed, might leave this place today more like our Savior than when we came. Of course, in his name we pray. Amen and amen. A very telling account as we read here 
of this account in the Garden of Eden. Satan, the Bible says here, it begins in this chapter that he was more subtle than any beast of the field. He was more conniving. He was more deceptive. You know, he didn't look evil at all. We find that as a matter of fact, as he came to this woman, he began to ask her a question, to play upon her. And of course, when she answered, he himself took the words of God himself, but twisted them and turned them to meet his own needs to deceive her, to thinking that he was there and he was good and he was trying to do her a favor. The Bible says she was tempted. She gave in to that temptation. And of course, as we look down and we find that as she also gave in to that temptation and the man along with her, that suddenly their eyes were opened in a new way and we find God coming along there. And the Bible says that it was in the cool of the day. And I want you to just try to comprehend and think of the relationship to this point with the father and his children. He was there in this perfect environment with them. He came along walking in the cool of the day, and he's looking for Adam and Eve, but where are Adam and Eve? He asked him that question that you've had on the screen before you this morning. Verse 9 said, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Where art thou? Adam, where are you? Do you think that God didn't know where they were? Oh, they knew exactly where they were. They knew. They were, they were naked. They were afraid to be face to face before their father again. I don't know about you, but I can remember times, certainly growing up as a child. I know that some of you probably never did anything wrong. You never had mom and dad have to scold you for anything you never needed the smack or the switch or whatever form of chastisement that they brought upon you and trying to correct you, but unfortunately, I wasn't one of them. Uh, I had my share and probably some of your shares as well, but I can remember those times. And sometimes mom was good at reminding us because we would do something wrong and rather than to deal with it ourselves, just wait until your dad gets home. Just wait until your dad gets home. That was a pretty fearful thought because most of us would much rather have been told off or spanked or whatever from mom than from dad. She was softer. She had a softer touch. She didn't spank near his heart. And her speeches didn't go on near as long when he was trying to tell us what was right and wrong. But the simple truth was is that you know, I can remember some times when, I mean, as soon as I'd done something, well, my eyes were opened. I knew I had done something wrong. <laughs> and you know what? Just as with Adam and Eve, there was a fear. The Bible says they were afraid. They were afraid. They saw themselves naked. Well, I could imagine myself what that naked was going to be sometimes when my dad got a hold of my bottom side to correct me from my wrong, but... That was a different thing than what they saw, but my eyes were certainly opened, and there was a fear. And I can remember trying to avoid that confrontation. I knew it was coming eventually, 
And I didn't have any doubt that I was going to have to face it. You see, when God asked that simple question, Adam, where art thou? Where are you, Adam? It wasn't because God needed to know where Adam was, but Adam needed to see where he was. Adam needed to face his wrong. Adam needed to face the fact that it was he that was hiding from God. God was coming right along in his usual place to have that close fellowship with him, but he was trying to avoid that confrontation because he had sinned. He had done something wrong. Now, there are many things that we can look at here in the Scripture that we could take from that. We see the temptation. We see the subtlety of that one that is tempted. We see how that they were brought in. And, of course, we see how that once it happened, it's amazing how it was always somebody else's fault, wasn't it? (laughs) Adam, what have you done? It was her fault, God. She tricked me into doing this. Eve, what have you done? It was the devil's fault, God. He's the one that tricked me into doing it. When it came down to it, when justice was meted out, we see that the serpent paid his price. He paid his price for what he had done. So did the woman. So did the man. Ladies, in childbirth, it has never been forgotten since that first woman committed that sin in that perfect environment against her heavenly father, her only father. That curse of pain that came through childbearing has been there as a reminder. Men is the supplier of the home, the one that is to go out and to, and to work and to put that food on the table and to make sure that the needs of that family is met. The job became harder. Suddenly, It wasn't just an easy task where everything was supplied and it was there and all you had to do was reach out and take it, but it had to be worked for. It had to be toiled over. Those thorns and those thistles were going to be present. That job was going to be harder. The responsibility was still there, but it's a reminder. And, of course, Satan himself, we see the serpent. We find that our two daughters and Hannah Kistler saw a serpent that they didn't want to see last week when we were in in Africa. (laughs) The tents where we were staying when we had gone down to the game refuge for the safari, the rest of us had gone to dinner and they came out and as they were coming up through there, they happened to see something across the path in front of them that they were not overjoyed with. And it became more exciting. Everybody had this big whistle on their keys that if you got in trouble anywhere out there, you're supposed to blow this whistle as loud as you could so that help could come running. They were blowing and blowing and blowing and no help was coming and nobody was hearing the whistle. It just happened at that very same moment that they were blowing the whistle that up in the the covering where that we were having our evening meal, there was somebody else that was having a birthday that day. And then all pandemonium had broke loose and they were singing and clapping and carrying on wishing happy birthday and it totally drowned out any whistle in the background. And that serpent was there and it was fearful because though they can still be beautiful in their own way, the serpent has never ever been viewed as in the same light as he was prior to what we read about here in Genesis. People know that many of them, and this one certainly, 
was a dangerous one. People tried to avoid them. But he's still Satan in his reality. He is still there. The Bible says he even comes sometimes as, as an angel of light. He paid his dues. And as we see one of those serpents that maybe cross our path, you see, now it not only reminds us of what took place when he was put upon his belly, but I believe that there, for many, many people, there are a few strange people in the world that, that like to handle snakes and play with them and do things, but for most of us, there's a certain amount of fear that is there. We would rather keep our distance because he's dangerous, even as a reminder to us the danger of Satan. They all paid their dues. But as we look at this and we find that God then did something that was necessary because of that sin, because of sin, they were taken out of that perfect environment. Because of sin, they were no longer able to stay there because in that perfect environment, there was another fruit, the tree of life, that would give them everlasting life. And, of course, because of that sin, that sin had to be paid for before they could take of that tree of life. Today, we do have the opportunity to take of that tree of life through Jesus Christ. We find that here, again, so many things, and it cannot be our, our focus today. Of course, Adam and Eve, in their sin, they sewed fig leaves together, and they tried to hide their nakedness with that today people in their sin. They try to cover themselves, their nakedness. They, they try to cover it in so many ways. But it was there in the garden that the first blood sacrifice was made. God himself took the skins of those animals and clothed Adam and Eve that their nakedness would be covered today. It still takes a blood sacrifice. <clears throat> but there's only one blood sacrifice that will cover forever, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ himself. So many of these things, so many that we could look at, but let me give you just a couple of things this morning as I try to tie this together because the thought that I want really to focus upon all this is God, when he came there and he asked that question in the garden, Adam, where art thou? And I want us to ask that question in maybe a, a, a twofold way today, if we could. First of all, as we allow God to ask us that question as individuals, where art thou? And instead of Adam's name, I'd like for you to put your name in there. Where are you today? In relationship, remember, this was God the Father coming in the cool of the day for a walk with his children. Where are you in your relationship with the Heavenly Father today? Because you see, there, there are so many, and we're reminded of this so many ways and so many times in the Word of God. We will naturally try to cover our sinfulness in our own ways 
We'll try everything in the world. We'll try to be better people. We'll try religion. We'll try going to church. We'll try talking all the right terminology. We'll try all of these things. But in the end, it's just like the fig leaves that they tried to put upon themselves. The covering is not sufficient. Where art thou? Where are you today in your relationship with the Heavenly Father? Because I want to tell you something that unless that sin has been covered, you cannot be in his presence. You cannot be close to him. You cannot enjoy that relationship. We find that I want you to ask that question in another sense as well. Where are all the missing children? If our hearts can truly be wrung out be squeezed because that we read about, we hear about, we see a picture of some missing child that has been abducted, that has been taken away from its family, that is impossible, very serious danger. And that does something to us. If you're a human being at all, it does something anyway. And what does that do when it's somebody that you know? I asked you that question earlier. If it's your child or somebody that you know that there is that special relationship and they're taken away, what does that do to you? But what about in the spiritual realm? Why don't we pause for just a moment this morning and without even going out there into that world anywhere? Brother Steve, as, as, as we look around our church family this morning, can we ask the question, where are the missing children? Where are the missing children? Because you see, so many times, the problem is we look around and we think, well, boy, old so-and-so should have been there this morning, and old so-and-so should have been there this evening. And it comes forth with this negative con. I was there. I'm the spiritual one. I was in my place where I should have been but they weren't. They couldn't be bothered. When in reality, I can tell you this, there are some that are not here today. We know. We went through a list during prayer time. We know that there's a fair amount of sickness amongst some of our people. So many different attacks that have come in different ways, and many are not here today because of legitimate reasons that have kept them away. But you know what? There are others that are not here today for reasons that I don't believe they would want to face God with one day. But what is our, oh, we're more spiritual than them. What is our attitude? What is our heartbreak? Because some of the children are missing. And you know what? There may be someone trying to deceive them, trying to abduct them trying to take them away from the family that they're a part of. Where are the missing children? Does our heart break for them today? Are we willing, as we would with that physical, natural child, are we willing to do whatever it takes to try to find them and to try to bring them back into the protection and the love of the family, of the home? You see, so many times it's like there's just no feeling at all. They're either there or they're not there. 
Got to begin this morning. Got to begin with where are you? Where are you in your relationship? But folks, as we look around us, the reality should be there. If we truly realize and are reminded of what Satan is capable of and what he is desirous of, the Bible says he, he walketh about as a, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I saw some physical lions last week. But I'll guarantee you that between me and them, I was inside of that vehicle. And now the top popped up and I could see over the top, but I was not out there in the flesh with him. And I didn't want to be. Because I know what that lion is capable of. And I don't want to get out there and find out whether or not that he happens to be in the mood to try it on with me today. Folks, we best not forget who our enemy is who it was that set out to break up this family in the Garden of Eden, to abduct those children, to chain them up in bondage in sin, destroy their relationship with their father, and that he is still there today, just as subtle as ever. You know, my heart breaks in a lot of ways because I can look around too and I know that there are many that are missing and I wonder, where are they? And I went, you know, I, I wish in myself that right now I could say to them face to face the same thing that I'm saying to you here. Be careful of the enemy. Remember what he's trying to do. I don't care how nice that he may seem. I don't care what that he's, he's trying to put before your eyes, the temptation that is there. Remember who he is. He is the enemy. He is evil. He means no good for you. And he means no good for our brothers and sisters. I wish. You see, the thing is, though, is I can't say that to them this morning because they're not here. But I wish to say it to you because, number one, don't let this evil one, don't let him sneak in. Don't let him be a wedge in that relationship between you. First of all and foremost, you know, are you part of God's family? Has the sacrifice been applied? Has the blood sacrifice, the only sacrifice been applied? Or are you trying to be part of the family some other way? All of your efforts, all of your fig leaves or whatever else it is that you're trying to cover your sin with, it won't be sufficient. Today, I ask you that, not because that I want to put you down in any way. I ask you that because honestly, above all else, God would say, where art thou with your name? Where are you today? in your relationship with me. And you need to know that. Because you know what? I really wouldn't care this morning if I could, and I wanted to, which I don't. Some people might think that I, I, I would have it within my means to be mean, to be ferocious or vicious in some way. You know, the simple truth is, if I could be vicious enough, if I could be mean enough, if I could make you mad enough at me, that it would make you realize your situation and honestly ask yourself where you are and realize 
that God's covering hasn't been applied, then I wouldn't care how mad you got at me if it would make you realize that position and do something about it. But I'm asking this morning out of the love of my heart, where are you in your relationship with our heavenly father? Where are you in that relationship? Has your sins been covered? Are you part of that? And where are all the missing children? Where are they? Where are they in the relationship today? And are we genuinely hurting for them? And are we willing to do whatever that we need to do to find them, to get them back into the family fold once again? You see, I'm just going to give you these. According to verse 8 in our reading here, Notice that it says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. First of all, there are many that are missing from fellowship today. They're missing from fellowship. Maybe they are part of God's family. Maybe they are his children. But they're missing today. Why? Maybe because of disobedience. <laughs> that sure did it for Adam and Eve. Look at what it was. You've heard me say it many times. They didn't go out and do some vicious thing like kill somebody or commit adultery or commit rape. One of those horrendous sins that we see is so big, and yet all this was brought about because of disobedience. Everything there is yours. Stay away from that tree. Don't eat of that tree. Which tree were they tricked into eating from? That very tree. Where are the missing children this morning? Because many are missing from fellowship today. They're missing from the fellowship that they need to be having with the Father, just as Adam and Eve were. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. They disobeyed. The call of the Father came. They knew that God was there. But you know, even when God called them, God may be calling you this morning. He may be calling some of them, Adam, where art thou? Where are you, Adam? They couldn't take responsibility. They knew their nakedness. They knew where they were. They knew. They were trying to avoid that fellowship because they didn't want to face up to it. Oh, God, I'm here, but it was, it was her fault. God, I'm here, but it was the devil's fault. You see, they were missing from fellowship. The simple truth is, is that even when God called to them, they wouldn't own up to it. They wouldn't accept responsibility for their own sins, that their relationship, their fellowship with God, with the family, if you would, with their father, was broken because of sin. They needed to do something about it. Others today are not only missing from fellowship, but we can look back in chapter 2 and in verse 8. It says, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. 
In verse 9 it says, And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and God for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And down in verse 15, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. You see, God had a purpose for his life. God formed them from nothing. God was the one that made them. And when God made them, God placed them in the garden. And God said, you're here to dress this garden, to keep this garden. May I say to you today, one of the messages that I preached in, in, in Africa a couple of Sundays ago was one that I preached here probably a couple of years back at some point on God's eternal purpose. Do you know that God made you? Your accountability life, he is your creator. And God created you with a purpose. And first and foremost, his eternal purpose for you is that you might have your sins forgiven. Therefore, before he ever created you, before he ever placed you here, he already put the plan in place. He was already sending Jesus to take care of your sin so that you, be part of his family forever so that you could take of the tree of life and live for all of eternity. You see, today, some are missing. Some are missing in fellowship, but some are also missing in fruitfulness because their life isn't accomplishing what God designed and purposed for you. You may be doing really well, uh, you know, it, it may be that in this natural world, everything is just smooth as it can be. All your finances are just where they need to be. Everything that you've touched, it just all seems to turn to gold with the Midas touch. Is that God's purpose for you? Is that what God wants to do with your life? Is your life being fruitful for that which God placed you there for? Because you see... When he, Adam, when he surrendered to that temptation, he and Eve both, the fact is that fruitfulness was done away with. They were no longer able to perform the purpose that God meant for them, the purpose that God had them for them. Ability, responsibility, accountability, it all comes in. I'm asking today, where are the missing children where are you in your relationship? Because you, or maybe as you look around, those that are missing today, maybe they're missing from the fellowship because of disobedience and because that, that God has called to them and they have not been willing to accept their responsibility. Maybe they're missing from fruitfulness because the real purpose that God has for their life is not being fulfilled because that relationship is not what it ought to be. Thirdly, yes, some are missing from fellowship and some are missing from fruitfulness. Folks, one of the things in our day is so many are missing from faithfulness. From faithfulness. What does it mean to be faithful? I wonder in your relationship with your husband or your wife, if God has given you that 
special relationship amongst all others. I wonder if, if, if your husband or your wife would consider you to be a faithful partner as long as you were right there 99% of the time. I mean, it was only 1% that you strayed. It was only every now and then that you weren't faithfully there where you needed to be in that relationship. You see, I'm asking for a couple of How faithful are we in our relationship to the Lord? When we allow things to come in and to interfere with that relationship and to take us away. And you see, folks, again, I'm just saying as it is, I don't say it to be mean. We might look at it in the physical life and we might think, oh, what a horrible thing. You're not faithful because you're out there committing adultery with somebody else. Oh, you're only doing it one or two percent of the time. The rest of the time you're okay. But it's amazing how that would stand out. Well, they're not faithful, even if it was one time that they went astray. And yet, many of the children are missing today because of spiritual adultery, because of fornication with the world, because spiritually they're not being faithful to him. They're just slipping to the world occasionally just for a little pleasure, just for a little fun. Many are missing today. Many are missing. Many are missing from fellowship. Many are missing from fruitfulness. Many are missing from faithfulness. Faithfulness in his word, faithfulness to his word. Faithful in his presence. You know that there's one thing I'm sure of. You know, I've, I've, I thank God by the grace of God. You know, I've, I've seen people before that were troubled because maybe somebody, their, their, their pastor, their preacher, the, the person that they came to Christ under later in life ended up being unfaithful. Unfaithful to God, unfaithful to their spouse, unfaithful in all kinds of different ways. And think, well, you know, what has that done to me? Well, thank God you're not saved by any man or any preacher you remember me telling before the story of D.L. Moody when he was walking down the streets of Chicago. And he had one of his workers that was with him. And as they walked along, the story has it that they came along, and Brother Dave, they, they, they came to a man that was sitting there on the curb, and it was obvious that he was drunk and he was out of it. But the worker recognized this man, and he said to Mr. Moody, he said, Mr. Moody, said, that's one of your converts. Look at him there now. They said, Mr. Moody solemnly said back to him, well, he must have been one of mine, but he clearly wasn't the Lord's. You see, no man can convert you and it last and it matter. But when the Lord converts you, then it's forever. The truth is, is that today there's a lot of children that are missing. There's a lot of them that have been beguiled that have been tricked, that have been taken away, and somehow we don't see the seriousness of it. It doesn't bother us that it's the devil himself that has tricked them, that has taken them out there. I've often tried to figure out, you know, <laughs> I don't know, I, unless I'm just some kind of a strange person, you know, I, I know when I've done something wrong. And I've often tried to comprehend, you know, I don't, I don't know how some people can, 
can do things and then just cover them over and, and never deal with them and have any peace at all in their hearts. But the simple truth is this. The folks, when we're unfaithful, it'll take away that peace. It'll take away your joy. You know, the simple truth is you can't be unfaithful to your husband or your wife and not know it. Something is bad, bad, bad wrong with that relationship if it doesn't bother you. Maybe the relationship is gone. You've got a relationship with the Lord, and you're unfaithful with the world. It's going to bother you. Something is going to be wrong. Where are you today? Where are the missing children that are missing from fellowship, that are missing from fruitfulness, that are missing from faithfulness, that are missing from fullness? What did he say there in our reading in chapter 3 and verse 23? Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. <coughs> you see that suddenly they were outside of the gate. Outside of the gate of plenty. Suddenly there was pain and sorrow that was brought into their lives, they were outside. But you know, today when sin has taken us outside, the invitation from God is that now through Jesus Christ, you can be brought back inside. And that's where God wants you today. He doesn't want you missing from the fullness of all that he has for you. He had everything for Adam and Eve there in the Garden of Eden. It was their sin that took them outside of the garden. They lost the fullness of all that God had. You see, I'm not talking about that you might not be the wealthiest. Again, I'll share some things this evening. When you can go somewhere and you can really honestly, genuinely see how so much of the world lives, it'll do something about all that complaining about what we don't have. It'll somehow make you more appreciative of the blessings that you do have. Today, I'm simply saying this, that there are many today, many of the children that are missing from the fullness of what God has for them, from his blessings, from all that he has for them in their lives, even when they're part of the family, they're missing from that fullness. Most of all this morning, some are missing from the family. Some are missing from the family altogether. And of course, that's where I began in my first question to you this morning of where art thou? Where are you today in your relationship with the Lord? Where are the missing children? Do you recognize the privilege of being in the family are you appreciative today of your spiritual family and your physical family? Can you find that peace that only God can bring to you today? Maybe the circumstances don't warrant it. But boy, when you're at peace with him, he can put you at peace with everybody else. I'm asking you, even as you look around this congregation this morning, what about your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you in fellowship with them? Are you missing from that fellowship because of 
something that the enemy has stretched, has placed there. You see, in this life, a father will do anything to see his children found. If he's a real father, I'll guarantee you there's no price that's too high to pay. You'll empty that bank account. <clears throat> You'll sell everything you've got lock, stock, and barrel. It means saving one of your children. The Heavenly Father has done that for you. He sacrificed everything. He paid the ultimate price that you could be found. We find that today, the same God that walked there in the Garden of Eden, that asked that first man and that first woman, where art thou? He's the same God that even then, he already knew who you were. He'd already made plans for your life. This morning, where are you honestly? Do you know with absolute certainty that you're in God's family? Or has the devil tricked you in some way? Are you trying to cover yourself with something that won't work? Today, you need to know that. In church, we need to be asking ourselves, where are the missing children? Whatever the reason, are we willing to do everything that we can to see them found again, to see them taken away from the enemy, to see them back in the fold, back with the family, enjoying what God meant for us to be as his family? I'm saying we need to get our heart turned around. Quit trying to look at how good we are and how bad they are and how unfaithful they are and how this, that, and the other. They're missing. And we need to do everything we can to make sure if it's the devil that's been deceiving them, let's make sure that we do everything we can to bring them back into the fold. Father, we thank you this morning on this Father's Day. Lord, that we can look back and we can... First of all, thank you, Lord, for being a father to the fatherless, spiritually being a father to us when we were spiritually dead, for giving us life and giving us life everlasting. And Lord, as we look at these thoughts this morning, I pray that you would just help us, Lord, to be reminded on this Father's Day. Lord, that first of all, do we have that heavenly Father and is our our fellowship, our relationship with him, everything that it ought to be. And Lord, as we look about us and we ask ourselves, where, where are the missing children? Those that are part of our family, that have been abducted, that have been taken away. Lord, are we willing to do everything that we can to see them found, to see them brought back to safety? I pray that you'd help us today, Lord. I pray that you would bless the fathers in a physical sense, in a very special way. But I pray this morning that spiritually that we can all recognize and appreciate our Father, our Father in heaven, our Father that is there, and Lord, that we would have the concern for our relationship, the relationship of those around us that we ought to have. Of course, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. We're going to sing for our closing hymn here in just a moment. Cleanse me, O Lord.
But I want to ask you this this morning, honestly, right now, where art thou? Where are you? If you're here this morning and you know with absolutely no doubt in your mind and heart, you know that when you're asked that question, when God the Father asks you today, where are you with your name, that you know that you're part of his family. Would you slip your hand up and say, Preacher, I know that. If I know anything in the world, I know that. Would you slip your hand up right now and hold it there for just a moment? I know that I'm part of God's family. I know with absolute certainty that my covering isn't something that is superficial, but I'm covered by the sacrifice that he has supplied. Do you know that today? God bless you. Would you put your hands down? Let me ask you this. If you don't know that today, would you tell me why on earth that you'd want to leave here today not knowing that? Why would you want to leave here fatherless today when God has offered to be your father, to give you life everlasting, life forever? Christians, may I ask you this? You know that God is your father. Adam and Eve did, and they had that relationship, and they were accustomed to, to walking in the cool of the day. And we don't know for how long that went on before there came that time that sin entered in, and that fellowship was broken. They were missing from fellowship. They were missing from fruitfulness, faithfulness, fullness. They were missing from the family. Today, is there something in your life that this Father's Day Whatever your relationship with your earthly father, is there something with your spiritual father that you need to deal with today? Has the devil been beguiling you to some area of your life? If you're here and God has spoken to you, and if there's something there that's hindering you today and you'd like us to help you pray, would you just slip your hand up? Pray for me, Pastor. God bless you. God sees your hands. There's nothing to be ashamed of. None of us are perfect. The devil is good at his job, and he'll try to sleep, slip in, but today you don't have to be beguiled. And the first thing that's important is that you recognize it and see it when he has tricked you in some way, when that relationship is not everything that it should be, when things have come in to divide. Is there anyone else this morning? Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. There's things that... I would like your prayers because I, want, I need that relationship to be more than it has been. Father, you've seen the hands of these that have gone up today, even these that are still raising their hands. Lord, you see each and every one. Lord, I pray that that need would be met. Lord, if, if, if there was something I could do, I would. If there was some magical sermon I could preach or some magical prayer I could pray, some feat that I could perform, that would ensure that each one of these knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior today. And Lord, for these that are your children, that are struggling, Lord, but in the end, Lord, they must bring that to you. You're the only one that can truly give them the covering that they need. Give them what it is they need in their lives, Lord, that that fellowship may be everything that it needs to be with their Father. So I do commit them into your hands today, Lord, and I pray that you would help them. And I pray, Lord, that it would be more than just some emotional raising of the hand. But in their hearts, Lord, if there's something they need to deal with, they'll do it right now. 
Maybe they need to step out during this song and come down and pray and, and just someone pray with them and just say, Lord, I'm going to deal with this. Maybe there's still someone here today that though they've tried to cover themselves with the fig leaves, they need to be covered with your garment today. Lord, I pray that you would help them do what they need to do. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. 